You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hockey fans, if you'd like a copy of my new book, Tales with TR, Fights, Film, and Folklore, head on over to flankerpress.com. If you'd like a personalized copy for $25 plus shipping, email me at terryryan2020 at gmail.com. That's terryryan2020 at gmail.com. I'm your host, Terry Ryan. Good to be with you today. What a weekend I had. Happy uh, Canada Day. Happy <clears throat> July 4th Independence Day for those of you American friends. And uh, just happy summer for everybody else. Although I don't know every other, every country's big celebration day. Nor do I know that. Everybody listens to this He's even has one, but I know that in North America, we celebrate at the beginning of July and boy, did I celebrate. So as you all know, whoever listens to this, Trans Samwith came in, which was a lot of fun. Uh, so much fun. Uh, Scotty Darling also came in. So Scotty Darling, the Blackhawks, uh, ex-Blackhawks goalie, he's from Chicago. Won a Stanley Cup with them and had uh, really a a roller coaster ride of a career and found himself in the NHL. It's it's, it's absolutely fascinating. He was, he was filling me in on the details this weekend. Now Scotty was here for a wedding that I didn't realize was happening when I was talking with you guys, and it was a bit of a hockey wedding. So so Zach Torcado got married. So Zach is married to our friend or got married on Sunday to our friend, Carolyn Williams. Okay. So she's from Newfoundland and, uh, you know, I knew about the wedding. I didn't know it was going to be this weekend and I hadn't met Zach, but Zach played with Scotty and Luke Gatsik. And I, I can go down the list, all kinds of people that are, you know, it's a small world, the hockey world. So people that, I played with and against a lot of them were here this weekend, uh, led by the Sandman. So he just kind of picked the weekend. There was no rhyme or reason. We were in Nashville. We were talking about it. And uh, as we sat there and getting pie-eyed in the afternoon and uh, at Luke Bryant's bar, we booked, he, he we, I, I, uh, was the devil on his shoulder. Book it, book it. Come on over. This is going to be a great weekend. 
He couldn't come this year during the George Street Fest, so this is what we settled on. But it was awesome anyway. And, you know, each night, and our buddy Bobby Clark got married, and we went to that one. Bobby, I played with in uh, Cornerbrook Senior Hockey, but those Quebec Major Junior fans will know him from Halifax and Moncton. Four years, pretty good Q uh, defenseman, made a, made a mark. Anyway, Adam Party, we uh, we saw it that one, hadn't seen Adam in a while, and it's Newfoundland legend, one of the best hockey players ever came from here. Adam uh, came back for one year with the East Coast League's Newfoundland Growlers a couple of years ago in their uh, inaugural season, and they won the championship, and he quit, and he hasn't played since. And the, most of that was to do with, you know, just a different stage of life, having a uh, young family and all those things. So it was great to see Adam again, and the fun didn't stop. We were, uh, I was going to take Sandman on a boat tour, and we ended up, those who know Newfoundland, so I'm in Mount Pearl, um, if you're in town, there's, there's a train track that used to, well, it, there was only one train that I know of. It went out of existence when I was about five or six, but I remember it streamed back to back. <coughs> it kind of passed through our backyard, Mount Pearl backyard. It's my parents goes on for a bit, but at the end would be the train track. You could see the train coming through, it would go all the way across Newfoundland. Way back in the day, it was known as the silver or the, uh, the Newfie bullet. Um, so old school people will know that reference. I always thought that'd be a great name for the, one of the teams, hockey team, the, the Newfoundland bullets. I don't think Newfie, the word Newfie has kind of got a negative connotation now. And I'm going to get, get into that in a little bit. Although it's context and it's who says it and how you take it and all those things. But I don't think Newfie bullet would fly anymore, but the Newfoundland bullet for sure, the Newfoundland bullets. And it is a big part of our history. And so yeah, it would really work. But uh, not, that, not that I don't like the growlers, though. That niche has been definitely established and people love the growlers. They do so much for the community. Um, a very active team within the community and a lot of good, good guys and, and Newfoundlanders, which is great. You, you don't always have Newfoundlanders on the local teams here, right? You can't just make that happen. You're not just going to, it's professional hockey. It's not senior hockey. You can't just add a guy because he's good for the community. They got to be pretty legit. Well, we got James Melindy, Trevor Boland, Zach O'Brien, Marcus power. And uh, like I said, we had Adam party. That's uh and there's been other player players play Roddy Short, Scotty Trask, uh, Jordan Escott played a few games this year. It's great. They use they use a lot of the locals, but uh, local senior leagues real good first of all. And guys come back now and get jobs, and they can still that can still play. So they, they if they need a player, they often just pick from the senior league, which which is also great. Good exposure for the local guys that come back and <clears throat> wanted to play. I'm still waiting to see. Uh, what they're gonna, how they're gonna establish, or how they're going to attack the new season, because the last few years in my, uh, minor pro hockey has been a bit chaotic, to say the least, due to the pandemic. I hope we never hear about it again. But anyway, let's get to uh, some questions. I suppose. And before I get there, thank you to Bobby Clark and Nicole Roper. Now Nicole Clark, I, I suppose it's, that's going to 
kind of rolls off the tongue though nicole clark i just don't think of her like that nicole roper but anyway my friends my good friends thank you uh, very much for having us at the wedding it was a blast to have uh, sandman come and and it was at a beautiful spot in pippi park overlooking the whole city it was just perfect and uh just so thank you for that thank to thanks to zach and carolyn for for everything that you did for us this weekend from everybody you know, we, we, we went from bar to bar. We'd always find ourselves at green sleeves and God, I was up singing songs and everybody was buying rounds. There was uh, food and laughs being shared. It was a great time. So congrats to the both new couples. And uh, thanks a lot, Sam, man. My favorite part, Sam, man, I know you're listening to this. One of my favorite parts was the bike ride. We, uh, something, you know, you'd never think if you were a tourist and nor, nor would I. But anyway, what I was getting to earlier, because I fucking ramble, was that old train track. So Sandman and I, and now it's a walking path, but it goes like right through the main. It just goes right through the heart of Paradise, CBS, Mount Pearl, and it ends right downtown St. John's. So we took that and we used that as a main trail and kind of went off into Bowering Park and did our own thing, but uh, it was it was great. We took a few beers in a backpack and we just went biking, and uh, with no plan, no rhyme, no reason. Of course, we ended up on George Street, and I just picked up the bikes yesterday. <laughs> they were there for three or four days, but we had a great fucking time. And uh, the last thing I'll say before I move on to the questions is Jeremy Charles, uh, my good buddy and great chef, has. I mean, the Merchant Tavern is one thing. He just opened Portage, a new restaurant, but the Crab Shack. He's got a crab shack, he calls it, and it's right on Water Street. There's uh, probably 100 feet of patio there. And he just, it's like a pop-up almost, right? But he's got crab and lobster and tuna and smash burgers. It's just phenomenal. And uh, Jeremy, thanks a lot. Jeremy uh, made us, we sat there two or three times over the weekend for, ate up a, a, a sizable portion of the afternoon in the sun. And uh, Jeremy created some things that weren't on the menu for us and also came out and shared a few drinks and laughs. So thanks a lot to Jeremy. Now, moving on, some of you guys had some questions. uh, And there's one. Actually, let's skip that. We're going to get to some layups first. Okay, so. So ATR, who's the best goalie you played with? And that's wild, you know. Um, I played with some great goalies. Um, So in junior, I don't want to leave anybody out. So I'm going to leave the obvious, okay? So I'm going to mention guys that played in the NHL. I could tell you Lance Leslie actually might have played one or two games. Right? I could tell you uh, David Pernak. There's lots of great goalies I played with that didn't go on after that. And they're friends of mine. I don't want to insult them. And I always find it hard to say... The best, the best, but there are some choice goalies here. No offense to the guys that didn't make it to pro, but as far as players that I played with, like with, okay, against, I could go somewhere, but I'm going to, it would be a bigger umbrella against. That that includes almost anybody from my era because I was a suitcase. I played in a lot of leagues, so I pretty much came across every goal. I mean, I played against Martin Brodeur, Dominic Hasek, my, uh, I had a breakaway on Hasek, and I scored it. Maybe things would would be different, but that was 
a regular season game. I fought Bugner Barnaby. You know about that. When I hit the post on Hasek on a breakaway. And he's probably my, I, you know, I, my, my first camp, I stayed with Patrick Waugh for a bit. So there's Waugh Hasek, right? So let's take away anybody I played against that's taken out Hasek. Uh, but Patrick Waugh, I would have to start there, wouldn't I? My first camp. And um, I remember him being very intense. Uh, for some reason, I remember, you know, like Andy Moog was there right after that. I mean, and those guys were older. Moog was a lot older than Wa, I think. This was 95, my first camp, and Wa would get uh, traded immediately after. I was 18 years old. I suppose then he was late. Yeah, he, he was 10 years in the league, right? So he was late 20s, probably early 30s. Uh, and Andy Moog, that was 18 when I was 19. The next season, I, I made it for for uh, most of the season, and Andy Moog was there. So there were similarities there. They're both great goalies. Of course, Patrick Waugh is better, but uh, it's subjective. But, you know, Patrick Waugh is better. And um, they both came out in warm-up. I remember wiring one up on Patrick by, by his neck, and that was a fucking no-no. And I realized I was so nervous that on guys like that that were like wily veterans – that what's the word um wally veterans i guess that commanded a presence i would still because they would be upset if you i mean like you would you're a goalie if you shoot it up around your neck especially in warm-up but the other thing is i'm a player warm-up's over and i'm trying to score you know and i'm, I'm, I'm trying to make an impression but if one gets and, and you know goalies go down butterfly was coming in more than ever so yeah, I remember winging one right up by Waz's neck, man, and he was fucking pissed. Pissed! <clears throat> but that speaks more to his intensity as a person. Um, like, he wasn't an asshole to me. I've heard that. I've heard people say that. You know, I, maybe they didn't, they were around him on a bad day, but he did have me over for a bite to eat. I remember he had a roller hockey rink in his basement. His kids, one of them who definitely ended up playing goal, I remember watching him in the queue. He was a lot younger, obviously. I remember his kids being there, him being great with his kids and laughing and carrying on. And I remember he lived next to Celine Dion. She was um, she was out riding her. I'm fucking serious, too. I didn't even want to go over there. I was so nervous. But it was my first camp, Montreal 18, and Gaetan Lefebvre, who used to be the equipment guy, one of them. He was a jack of all trades. He uh, took me out there. He thought it would be great for my mental growth within the game of hockey to meet Canadians legends as soon as I got there and looking back, I guess it was, but I was really fucking nervous and knowing that Wah had that reputation, I was doubly nervous. But anyway, we went out to his house and uh, remember Celine Dion was on the ride on lawnmower right Friday. They were both mansions. Titanic hadn't hit. She was big though. She was, she was probably becoming Canada's, uh, most popular music act, lover or hater. She was massive in the 90s. I can't, to me, the, the 90s were welcomed in with a movie called Robin Hood, which was, no one even talks about it anymore, but it was real big at the time. And Brian Adams, who's Canadian, had a song, Everything I Do, I Do It For You. You know, I'm coming into my own here. I'm 12, 13. I remember uh, 
dating a girl named Jillian. I won't say her last name, although she's married to my friend now, great friend. I don't think of her like that, but back in the day, you know, young love, whatever, we uh, would walk her home and like give her a kiss on the train tracks. And uh, maybe she'd invite me in for hot chocolate or something like that. Train tracks were about behind her house. And I remember going in and listening to that song like all the time. Like we both had, we shared like, <clears throat> shared a headset, you know, and or had the dual plug. And uh, I distinctly remember going to her place and playing that song on VHS because you would have to catch it on VHS. You couldn't just play things on demand or you couldn't even go buy the videos or anything. So like a music video, unless you saw it on TV, you weren't going to, you know, unless you recorded it on your VHS tape, you wouldn't be able to just play it on demand. So, yeah, I remember like going out of our way to do that and watching Brian Adams, everything I do, I do it for you like 10 times in a row. And getting a peck on the cheek. But uh, that, so the 90s for me were welcomed in with that. The 90s ended with Celine Dion and Titanic and another Canadian having an absolute anthem of a song that went worldwide 10 times over number one all that so the point in all that being <coughs> sorry <coughs> the bookends to my 90s experience were canadian singer uh, singers that uh, were taken the world by storm in brian adams and celine dion how did we get there from who's the goalie and i still haven't mentioned all the goalies so I'll move this story along. My stories I'm realizing aren't often linear, are they? I'm all over the place. But anyway, that there, that's my Patrick Waugh story. He was, um, he ended up, I honestly treated me really well. I've heard some things about stubborn and I mean, I see him interviewed and I see the way he is, but honestly, my experience was a good one. Uh, and then in the, I went into the American League guys uh, after that year with Andy Moog, when I was 19, I often talk about it. I practiced most of the year, 96, 97. I went back to Red Deer in February. I was in the NHL for all that time. Our number one goalie was Jocelyn Thibault. And we had a guy, Pat Jablonski, came in for a bit. He was a Wiley vet um, backup. Nothing against Thibault and Jablonski. Andy Moog was really old, I, 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 like 40 or 41 at the time. I know it was his last year. He was there really to bring, uh, I think, Thibault along a little bit. But I, uh, I thought... Moog was pretty solid. Um, he didn't try his hardest in practice, if you can believe that. I don't think you could get away with that now. But but when he tried, you know, and I'm not saying he was just collecting a paycheck, but a lot of it was to have him there as an influence. I know that. He didn't play a lot. And he was Andy fucking Moog. He had like four Stanley Cups. <clears throat> the old, he's an old, the Oilers goalie. But anyway, so... My minor league goalies in my first year were Jose Theodore, uh, Thomas Vokun, and Matthew Garan, all who became NHL All-Stars. And Theodore won the Hart Trophy as the NHL's MVP, right? And the Vezina. Now, Theodore didn't put any more. He, he, he had a, a few great years. A lot of above average years. I don't know that he reproduced that year ever again, but, you know, my Hart Trophy winner. We were roommates on the road for a bit. Uh, he played in Freddie almost my whole time there. All this was going on. Like we had Tebow, Moog, again, Moog was 41, and Jablonski up there, 
who was probably 30s at the time. Great guy. Fucking Jabber was an awesome guy. But of the goalies in the organization, I think they probably, you know, he was, he was a bridge. He was a bridge. They wanted him there as they didn't want to rush Theodore along or Vokun uh, or Garon. But anyway, just some fantastic fucking goalies. Those guys were amazing. And uh, it was never lost on me. I loved I loved playing. I loved practicing with those guys because as a scorer and uh, someone that respects great players, man. Uh, first of all, I was, I was loving life. But, you know, when you got goalies like that and they like to be challenged, and practice is one thing, but Theo... For someone that talks so much, I don't explain myself. Theo used to have us all out shooting on him after practice, right? And uh, so, did, so did the guys. But Theo was my buddy. We came in together. I remember when the Canadians drafted me, they flew me to Hull to watch him play the playoffs. They drafted him the year before. You know, we had a real thing going. So after practice, Theo would always say, come on, T-Bone, stay out. Um, if you can believe this, I know a lot of people aren't, aren't going to, but I mentioned this in my book. You know the move that Alexander Vetchkin does with with his hands, the hot stick. Um, well, that's my move. Uh, I know you're gonna. I know a lot of people are saying, "What a fucking pig-headed piece of shit!" Thinking that that's his move. And I mean, you know, ever think that maybe Alexander Vetchkin came up with that? Two different people. No, I'll tell you what happened. In Red Deer, I used to come out after after goals. In 96, 97, I did get sent back to Red Deer in February. I played 16 regular season games, 16 playoff, and I was on fire. In the in the in the total 32 games, I had 33 goals. Look it up. I'm not making this shit up, man. And that was a lot coming coming off. First of all, I hadn't played in a while. I was just practicing, and for part of that time, I was up. I had a major concussion, stemming from the year before in January. That's one of the reasons that I practiced so much in Montreal. They really wanted hands-on and, 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 and to, to see my progress. So I felt great, went back to Red Deer, and that's it. Started ripping it up, man. And my buddy BJ Young, again, you know, that that link. I raised BJ's son. He's passed away now, but we were real good friends. And, uh, you know, we'd really have fun with this. So we used to challenge ourselves, and he would, like, ride the stick. He did the blind man once, uh, and that got him in shit, but it wasn't no. And, and before people took offense, yeah, BJ would turn his stick over and, and after after uh, it was third star of the game and he, uh, he he imitated a blind man. Again, some people are cringing, but we were kids. We did it as it was fun more than anything. And anyway, so we were running out of things to do. And the canoe, you know, all these things that now are probably commonplace and, and celebrations on video games and things. We were running out of things. So I went out. It was first star. I went out. And I put the stick down and I put, and I, I got down on my hands and knees over it. Like, and I was kind of like, I was trying to summon a spirit, right. But I was, I was doing what he was doing with my hands, but I was on my knees. And then, then I started to raise my hands, right. Everybody started cheering and they could clearly see what I was doing. It was almost like I was yeah conjuring up a spirit, but clearly I was saying that my, my stick was hot because well, I was yelling it, <laughs> but anyway, and then anyway, I, I got up like it was almost like a wrestler, like the the Undertaker, when he would look at the look up up above. It was like a, a divine intervention. Anyway, and then I picked up my stick and I went off, and they dubbed it the hot stick in the local papers and everything else. So when I got to Fredericton the next season, playing with Jose Theodore and Geron and Vokun and whoever the fuck else was there, 
um, Aaron Asham and Matt Higgins, and we used to do these breakaways after practice. So when I scored on uh, Theo, and I remember he came up with the fisherman, and I, 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 I did it against St. John one game, and that's why Rocky Thompson put a bounty on my head. I ended up fighting Matt Odette. That's on YouTube. Check it out. But I, I cast, I made a big cast and kind of went to reel in, and, and Theo loved that. And same thing, he's going, you're running out of things to do. Now, that's the only time I did it in pro because I quickly realized, you know, I mean, I'm not saying I didn't celebrate anymore, but go by the bench, like really hamming it up. That was over that game in Fredericton. But anyway, you know, you live and you learn. It's one thing, too, to I didn't mind backing it up and getting in a fight. But when you look like a bit of an asshole representing, you know, the a team like the Montreal Canadiens, I don't agree with Michelle Terry and much, but he was right on that one. He's like, maybe settle down on those <laughs> celebrations because in pro, you know, you do that and they don't always just come after you in junior. Ah, uh, yeah. Fuck you, Ryan. Right. They'd send a guy out after me and I'd fight him. That'd be it. But all of a sudden now, if you're going to go after guys in our team that don't fight because I'm acting like a donkey, it's a different game, right? It's fucking mathematics as Kevin Kamiller, killer Kaminsky would say. ATR, I'm going after Hood. It's fucking mathematics. Well, I was upset at the time, but I agree with Kevin Killer Kaminsky. You don't uh, do that all the time. There's a time and a place. And uh, that's the way it goes. But anyway, so Theo, I, I, I brought out the hot stick. I scored on him. I remember even the goal because he was laughing. I, I, I went, it was just a regular deke and it kind of went under his pad. And I did it. It was in practice, but I threw my I stick down. I did the same shit. All the boys were waiting for something. And he thought it was just the greatest thing. He wanted me to bring it out in a game, and I never did. But Jose Theodore got traded to Washington a few years later, didn't he? Right? So I was actually in Red Deer. No joke. I, I had just taken BJ's kid to practice because BJ had just passed away. And I was out there living at that time, and I took him to practice, and we came back, and we were making – I don't know what we were making, but I had the stove on. Knowing me after a hockey, I was on the ice with them. It was uh, an omelet of some sort. And uh, we, looked, we were looking at the hockey highlights, and Ovechkin gets his 50th. I think it was his 50th. Maybe it wasn't. But in any case, he gets a goal in Tampa Bay, and he does the hot stick. And I'm going, I'm going, this is insane, Tyson. Like, we used to do that. I know it, I know it sounds outlandish. We're sitting in a kitchen here on Ibbots and Clothes in Red Deer, Alberta. In, in a totally in, a, in, a, in an era that's past us, or sorry, talking about an era that's past us, but I'm telling you right now that we used to do that. And sure enough, within 20 minutes, the phone rings. It's Jeff Merrick from Hockey Night in Canada at the time. Hockey fans now know him from Sportsnet. And he said, hey, TR, I love that move, but he aped it. It's your move. And I, I said, fuck, thank God, someone out there realizes it and Tyson was laughing over the corner. He was only about, well, what was he? It was 2007 or eight. He was about eight or nine. I, I guess it was 2008. He was nine or 10 years old, turning 10. So, uh, nine, nine years old. Uh, but anyway, he laughed. I said, I told you that. So I was actually going home to Newfoundland. We would all end up moving here soon, shortly after that. And I was coming over here to scout some places, amongst other things. I was, I was about to sign with the Cornerbrook Royals, and they were going to help me out, find a local spot. And, uh, and, I, and I did. And that was a chapter of my life that I guess is, 
in, in ways is, is is still continuing, but it was an, it was an awesome adventurous chapter. Uh, Tyson and Danielle moved over to Newfoundland, but anyway, on the way, I said I'm going to go a, a week or two ahead of you guys. So on the way over, Jeff had me in talking in Canada Studios when it was uh, was on the uh, satellite then. I'm not sure that they do it anymore. I know there's the NHL network, but it wasn't part of that. It was clearly Hockey Night in Canada, I remember. Hockey Night in Canada radio. So anyway, I was like, yeah, I got to stop in Toronto. I might as well just stop for a few days. And he had me up in the studio, told the story. And for a while, he, he wrote an article on it. You, you can't get it anymore on the net because, trust me, I try to prove this all the time. But I understand that some, some fucking wash-up on an island out on the eastern part of Canada, out in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, that played long ago, hasn't been relative, relevant in a long time, at least when it comes to goal scoring, is going to claim that it's his move, that Alexander Ovechkin, arguably the best scorer the planet has ever seen, argue, you're going to say that he's using this cat's fucking move. And I'm saying, yes, he is using my move. Uh, and that's the story, and I'm sticking to it. I don't even know, man. I ramble. I got coffee in me here. I had uh, half a joint as I do. I know I ramble. And you, the, the question was, who's the best goalie I think you played against, right? And I just went on a half hour rant <clears throat> about everything other than that. Anyway, those are some great ones I played with. Brian Boucher in my draft year. Okay, we got drafted in the first round together. If I haven't mentioned it. Not a big deal, but uh, I'm kidding. Bush, definitely. And then Theodore Garan, Vokun, Patrick Waugh, Andy Moog. Got to say it. They were all there. They were all there, and they're all great goalies. And some of them are Hall of Fame, and they were there. And uh, so I know what it's like to shoot against some of the greatest goalies in the world. And uh, let's just say if I was shooting them, if I was shooting against them in 94, 95, and every in every game, I wouldn't have had 50 goals. There's some great goalies. And Jose Theodore, in his prime, was one of the most determined players. He was like Jerome McGinley. All of his peers, as we looked, good-looking guys, great off the ice, great leaders, right? Uh, stylish, always got the right thing to say. But when push comes to shove, those fucking guys worked real, real hard. And uh, specifically, Jose Theodore, I don't mind saying it. I don't know the other ones I mentioned as well, um, but Theodore and Boucher, sorry, I said Theodore, but Theodore and Boucher specifically, uh, real, real determined. What can I do each day to get better? And uh, it's no wonder that they played so long in the National Hockey League. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. As a Canadian, I know I'll always be throwing money down on the Blue Jays. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, make your first deposit, and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN, as in the Hockey Podcast Network, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. 
Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Next. Okay, I usually, uh, I'm looking through my messages now, okay? And I usually write these down. Um, ah, bonus, here it is, okay. Now, I know I'm rambling, guys. I know I am. And um, I try to answer hockey questions because it's a hockey podcast, but I know a lot of other people listen for some other reasons. Sometimes it's uh, Newfoundlanders that maybe miss home or people that uh, want to know about Shorzy, whatever it might be. So there's a few different topics. Now, this is a long question that might require a long answer, but a few people have kind of asked some iteration of this question over the last year or so. So... I'm not going to say who it's from, I, I suppose, but here's uh, not, not that you would know, but there's part of the question that's personal. So you know what? I'll just leave that part out. Okay. So this message comes from Dick. Okay. I'm not making that up either. And I'm, I'm just not going to say the full name, but uh, anyway, anyway, just leave that. I'll read part of the question. Please understand, I don't expect a quick response to a complicated question, but as far as Yank viewing things from afar as a Yank, as an American, it seems that there's been some kind of a beef between Newfoundland and mainland Canada. I understand there's been talk of wanting independence. Like Quebec some years ago, seems like mainlanders look down on Newfoundlanders, and I don't understand why. We obviously have our own regional beefs down here, and I'm one of the states that gets zero respect outside of sports. So I guess my long-winded path to get here to the question is, can you tell me why it seems to be that way for you all? Well, first of all, it isn't. Um, it's such, I mean, I did, you know, I, I could write a paper on this at, at, you know, local history or folklore, like I said, not that I'd want to, because it's just a lot to tackle. So <clears throat> Quebec has had referendums in recent history about separating from Canada. And that's very, been very serious in my lifetime. I don't know exactly when they were there, but there's been multiple. I know in the nineties, I'm just saying we exactly what year, but we can narrow it down. There's recent history. The province of Quebec has had votes, referendums. Should we separate from Canada? I'll leave their reasoning to them because we're going to be here all day. I can't answer who's your fucking favorite goalie you played against. Okay. I'm not going to answer that. Like unless we're here for six weeks. So I'll leave that to them, but we've had no such vote in recent history. There was always a bit of a push and a pull when it came to attitudes against anybody coming here. We were protective and I'm going, when I say we, St. John's is the oldest city in North America, man. 1605 or some shit, right? Cupid's was settled. Um, the European settlers that came over here, uh, Cupid's was the first place settled where, around where Danny Clary's from, in like 1602, some shit. So it's been around for a long time. And as soon as we were established, people want to come over and do deals with us. They want to take advantage. We have some of the most... Plentiful waters, most most fish rich waters. Um, a lot of people, let's just say codfish. There's so many, but let's just say the cod fishery. And in the 90s, for example, we lost it because people were overfishing it and they were 
trawlers, big, huge trawlers from other countries were just scooping out the fucking grand banks and everything else around us because they're, they're, they would actually have to pay a, a fine, but they would make more money doing it. Newfoundlanders were pissed off. We had all those little bays that are now turning into fucking ghost towns. And, uh, you know, people would go out in their dories, fishermen, making their living. Each, each, you know, each family making their modest living. And then all of a sudden it became this big commercial thing and we lost our fucking fishery. That was in my lifetime. I don't know if people were laughing at us, but at the same time, so you have some of them were, and there were Newfie jokes, uh, you know, like Polish jokes. How many Newfies does it taste of screwing a light bulb and shit? Now, for the most part, we're guilty. We would laugh at it, right? There, you go to the airport. There's Newfie jokes. Now, I don't even know if that's a bit. Yeah, there are. There's like lots of volumes. Like I remember often any Newfoundlander getting on the plane remembers all those things, the Newfie jokes. And and people told them. We told them to each other. So it was a thing. But I, I guess maybe during that time, because we were pissed off at Canada and when we really took a stand, I mean, lots of things from. I remember when the St. John's Maple Leafs came here in 91 or 92, they nearly tried to tip over the bus. It was not against hockey. It was because we wanted to be taken serious. Newfoundlanders love to have fun. We love to party. But when you push us too much, it's fucking go time. Think of most hockey players, you know, think of me, my personality. That's typical. There you go. So the, the way I played is really a metaphor for a lot of my ancestors and the way that they, you know, they stick up for themselves and they're fun. They're, they're, they like to have a blast, but don't take advantage. So I think giving the fact that we have rich resources and now we've got oil that takes us in a new direction, but we've always, we had a nickel, there's nickel mines, there's uh Voices Bay, there's all kinds of, uh, you know, the, the, the fish is obvious, but uh, forestry there, there's, we're rich in resources and we've often been on the receiving end of a shitty deal, whether that's from Britain or Canada or fucking Portugal back in the day or whoever. So I guess whatever, whatever country of authority would come into play, we would have our backup a bit. Uh, but all we, you know, generally it worked, right? There's, like I said, there's peaks and valleys and there's, but over time it worked in my lifetime People have started to stand up for those Newfie jokes. Um, the word Newfie has almost got a negative connotation. It didn't really. I mean, I nearly got a tattooed on my back. I settled for Newf because people called me Newf, right? Now, even if you say Newf, but I, I don't, I think that's going too far. I think Newf is fine. But Newfie, because there were Newfie jokes and there was a connotation for a while. So we're moving away from that. But as you asked me the question, I mean, there's some truth to it, but we've been moving away from that my whole life. So, yes, there's people here. I'm sure there must be people here somewhere. I mean, you see the Newfie flag, the Newfoundland flag, and you see the kind of unofficial flag, the pink, white, and green. And, but I don't know that it would, like, if a politician here ran on separating from Canada, I think they'd get laughed at and would come last, right? So I'm saying, I'm sure people talk about it given the, the nature of where we are, our geography and the size of our province compared to every other one. And I don't just mean small population. We're gigantic in land, real small in population. Uh, we're the 14th biggest island in the world. We only have slightly more than half a million people. And that's counting Labrador, which is even bigger than Newfoundland. So, and we like it like that. 
but generally, no, man. Canada comes on like we watch. Like, you know, if Canada wins the fucking Olympics or whatever it is, or the Canada Cup or the World Junior, all the bars are packed. We're cheering. We are very, very proud to be Canadians for the most part. Canada Day here is not met with very much backlash. It's pumped. It's uh, let's fucking celebrate. Uh, now, there are some people who might get confused by my character, uh, Shorzy, with the accent. But again, the accent, that's part of our thing. Jared Kiso is very careful, I think, at least. And we had conversations not to make uh, Hitch look like a total idiot. Hitch often is dumb like a fox, right? Think of the last couple of episodes of Shorzy when Hitch gives Shorzy some advice, right? In, in the traditional sense of what you're asking me, Dick, that no mainlander would ask a Newfoundlander for advice because that would be the, the new fee, you know, like the Polish jokes, which should probably not be a thing either, right? Or dumb blonde jokes. We're moving away from those charactered, you know, those, those jokes that center on a certain kind of a person. Um, and some of that is warranted, some isn't. I, I mean, but yeah, I mean, as Newfoundlanders, you don't want to be laughed at. But again, in my lifetime, there are people that do it, but we're just moving further and further away from that. Like way from when I was a kid, we're miles ahead of that. And tourism has picked up. I know that, you know, there's, I've often said there's some great things the liberal government has done and great things the, the conservative government has done. When Danny Williams was in, a lot of people don't talk about it, but what I remember is all that we put a lot of money into tourism. Danny Williams is conservatives in the mid 2000s. I'm trying to think of the exact timing. Uh, I like to see the good that each, you know, I, I like to vote based on good things. And uh, like I said, I voted both ways, but I remember for one thing in my lifetime that they did do the PCs when they came in, then they put a big time press on tourism and, uh, Outside of everything else going on, I remember a lot of my friends coming. You know, if, if you're from the mainland and you've seen a Newfoundland commercial, the whales jumping out of the water, the clothesline commercials, they say, you know, imagine a place so beautiful and pristine that whales jump out of the harbor and clotheslines litter the coastlines. You know, those things. That those were never really there. And it's not just that. We got St. John's as a thriving and fucking city, man. We're happening. Um, we're really, we're, we're, but as, as those, as people came here, right, the tourism picked up. And then our government also made a huge tax break to anybody that gave a huge tax break to anybody that wanted to film here. So I know it's just one little, um, you know, it, it, it's one part of what we have to offer a, a lot of places have certain things to offer we have beauty we have we have george street right everything that i've mentioned we have those resources but we also have some film studios and some beautiful spots to do it so as tourism picked up and we started to and 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 not only that like bands like great big c start becoming huge and they weren't right like again newfoundland we were our own little thing right now you're seeing more on a worldwide level from hockey players represented in the NHL to music, to film, to basketball, Carl English making the, the Canadian basketball team. Like this was all not a thing in the sixties and seventies. 
Um, like my, my dad went to play. He had to move to Ontario. No one was going to come here and see him. Joe Byrne got a job running the rink and saw all these guys, five of them off my dad's Bantam team ended up playing pro. That's a small little town in the middle of St. John's. It was all kinds of good teams, right? It was just exposure, right? So, you know, all those things, it wasn't just tourism, but when we started to really push on that, and then the George Street Festival came big, it became bigger every year. And now you got the, you know, the Iceberg Alley, which is like 10 days in a row of three bands. And the George Street Festival happens and so does July 1st. We just had a big party down there, loud luxury. I mean, it, so each year it's like the snowball is getting bigger and bigger and Newfoundland is becoming more prominent on a world level with the restaurants, my buddy, Jeremy Charles, even right. He changed that whole industry, but it was the timing. It's like people like I love the Beatles, but timing was huge, right? The Beatles are great, but it, it, it didn't hurt them that they were coming in when TV is starting. Right. And planes and, and, and it, travel to other countries. People are taking planes right a few years before that. Planes weren't even a thing. The Beatles benefited because of timing. Well, that's like Newfoundland right now. Like in everything I've mentioned, Great Big Sea, you know, you used to have bands like Wonderful Grand Band who are fucking my favorite band ever to come from here, but no one was going to hear, no one was going to hear them. Ron Hines became big after that. But, uh, you know, Billy and the Bruisers, no one knows who they are. But Alan Doyle and, and, and Great Big Sea, the boys just kind of brought that music into prominence. And then... It became, and now the Dropkick Murphys are a thing, and people think they're from Newfoundland. They're not, but you know, the, the, the snowball is still going. If Dropkick Murphys, that kind of music, I mean, people, the Pogues, I guess I could go back. There's all kinds of Irish bands, but now, you know, Great Big C sold out the fucking Air Canada Center, man. You know, like, and that started happening. And then TV shows, I can name you TV shows that happen here. You never know what they are. Codco, no one knows what the fuck I'm talking about. Again, my favorite show ever to come from here. But then in the, in, in the late 2000s, Republic of Doyle not only became a Newfoundland show, it was national detention, all of a sudden national. Ad, so now, and these guys are buddies. Jeremy Charles takes his ideas. He comes back. The most you could get growing up when I was here was there was lots of mom and pop places. Yeah, but they sold burgers and fish and chips. You couldn't get sushi anywhere. Um, I don't know that we did have a five-star restaurant. No insult to the restaurants that were here, but it was nothing like today. Right now, Jeremy Charles and Alan Doyle from Great Big C and Alan Hawko. Not only these guys are buddies, first of all, and, and myself coming through, I guess, on the hockey. Right. Like I if there's one thing I can take from it, you know, I, I think I did. You know, I went away and the first thing my dad said to Wayne Gretzky's agent when he took me there, if you think Terry's good, go see Danny Cleary. And when he came to see Danny Cleary, he saw Harold Drukin. And now all of a sudden. Right. Uh, now there's all kinds of Newfoundlanders every year playing. You know, it's the same thing. Um, a lot of people in my age group, the guys I just mentioned myself, I could go Carl English basketball. We all benefited from timing. There was, there was good basketball players before Carl English. There was great hockey players before me, but I went the highest in the draft. And I think that was that ben timing benefited me. I don't mind saying that, right? Go, great big C have like five platinum albums. But timing was a thing. They helped. They helped make that timing. Right. I can go down the list. So and I mean, I just got back. I, I opened this podcast telling you about how great it was to visit my buddies and, and friends that I hadn't seen. And I, I consider like buddies like Luke Gatsik. I'd never met him. I'd come across him online and I listened to him on a podcast once in a while. But I consider him a buddy. I hadn't even met him. So like the hockey world is large. It's confusing sometimes, but it's small. 
And we all just had a blast. I don't know one person that is going to leave here, including Scotty Darling, who's going to be my guest uh, in uh, just a, just a couple of days. No one's going to have anything bad to say. It was it was a blast. Twenty years ago, the whole trip wouldn't have existed for a lot of reasons, and so to get back to the original comment, whatever it was that you're, you're I know what your it was a long question, but your your question deals with you know how do we accept that and how do we deal with that and you know about Newfoundland being lesser than the mainland and all that. It's just less and less of a thing. So. There might be some truth to what you're saying, but I think it would be a better question in 1992. You know, um, a lot of people might disagree with me. I know a lot of Newfoundlanders listen to this show. You might have your own beef. You might say, fuck that, man. Like, you know, they're, they're you know, people calling open line and they have these things. They fucked us with Voices Bay. Churchill Falls suck. I'm not talking about each individual deal or anything else or the way that your experience might have been with one fucking Ontarian that came down and insulted you. I'm saying overall, we have a lot to offer and we didn't always feel appreciated because no one wanted to share in that. And now more and more people do. There's cruise lines coming in here now. That was part of the tourism push, by the way. We didn't have cruise lines coming by. Why are you kidding me? The oldest city in North America sitting out in the end of the Atlantic. We're closer to fucking London, England than we are to fucking Edmonton, Alberta. Um, we're the furthest easterly point in North America is, is Five minutes, 10 minutes from my house, Cape Spear. We got a lot to offer, man. And when you go out and you explore these places, there's fucking whales and seals and icebergs and fucking codfish and capelin and fucking just you name it, man. The East Coast Trail, it's beauty. Now, I do think subconsciously we didn't feel appreciated. That's why if anybody from the mainland ever comes and they get in a cab and they're so impressed about, you know, Newfoundlanders always want to you know, make you feel good. I, I think it's that we're so excited still. It's in our blood that, that people want to share this with us, this great resource that we have, this Newfoundland, this rock that we call home, as Damien Follett would say, local musician, this rock that we call home. We're very proud of, right? But we love when people come and share it with us and more and more people are sharing it with us. And I have been... I have been asked that question, you know, oh, you, do you think Hitch is, is, is good or bad for Newfoundlanders on, on show Shorzy, for example? Apologies if you haven't seen it. But it's great because, like I said, Hitch has an accent. It doesn't mean he's stupid, though. And I think 20 years ago, Hitch just wouldn't have been on the show, right? You see what I'm getting at? We're included more. So... If this is your first experience with it, I can totally see we're definitely different and we have a we definitely have a shtick about us. You know, there are things we like to have fun. It's very Irish. Um our, our our heritage isn't only Irish, but it's certainly on the island, it's very Irish. And uh not just in like the pub scene either. Um you know, Newfoundlanders for years had the highest unemployment rate, but the biggest beer sales, you know, like it doesn't take much to impress us. And, uh, you know, shed parties are a thing, you know, we have nice restaurants, but there's still just as many people cracking a 12 pack in the backyard, uh, you know, in a shed with the boys. I do that just as much or more. 
and other things. So anyway, to sum it all up, I think I have. And uh, we're just happy now that people get to share in this fabulous place that we call home. And uh, that line of thinking that we're alienated, that we're lesser, is on its way out. Mm. Man. You know, people still listen to this, and I know you do. And after episodes like this, it makes me cringe. I mean it. I, I won't be able to re-listen to this. I won't even check, like, the iTunes and stuff because, or the, the sorry, the, whatever it is, there's, a like, a chart, charts. And, you know, I check it once in a while just to see if people pick up what I'm laying down. And in recent months, it's picked up. I know it's because of Shorzy and Chicklets as much as anything. But it means that people are still listening. And honestly, I've just been rambling. I was asked two questions. The first one of which I don't even, I still don't think I answered. And if you're still here and you're listening to this, man, I really appreciate it. And it's humbling because it's, first of all, it's nervous energy that would turn itself to anxiety if, if I didn't have this outlet. But second of all, I just can't believe people listen. You know, I'm just, I'm just rambling into a microphone by myself. I've been doing it for almost an hour. A lot of what I'm saying is either repetitive, doesn't make sense, or, you've already, or you weren't interested in the first place. Um, if I keep talking, I'm going to convince people not to listen. <laughs> I'm just saying it. I really appreciate it, man. And we got a great guest for you on, on, on Thursday. Scotty Darling, and um, I'm only bringing this up because I, t- I spoke with him about it. He said, you know, I'll come on there. And said, I know some people that listen. I, and there was people from Virginia sitting on the, on the, on the patio of Greensleeves as we were doing it. They came over and said, hey, we love your podcast. I'm like, you're from Virginia, and you can recognize me sitting on here from the podcast? Like, not from Shorzy. They're like, no, 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 we haven't seen it yet. I'm going, I, I didn't put my podcast out there. I, I, you know what I mean? I don't even do a video element. I could try so much harder. But I don't have time in the day to do it. I got so much on the go. So it's not like I have these chiclets cups. I don't even sell much merch, although it is available. I'll try to post something. I do have some things available. I guess I should talk to Dylan from the Hockey Podcast Network. Because, yeah, man, I, you know, it. it's not like I have events. I don't have, you know, much in the way of anything promoting this outside of word of mouth. So thank you. And uh, while I can't understand so many people listening to me ramble by myself, I do understand the guests because I've had some choice guests. And uh, I'm as excited to, Scotty, to talk to Scotty Darling on Thursday as you are to listen to it. So that'll be out either late Thursday or uh, Friday, Friday uh, morning because Penny Lane is in on Son of a Critch. Check out that show talking about Newfoundland uh, Exports, Son of a Critch, which is now in season two, features Mark Critch, one of the comedians on This Hour is 22 Minutes, and just an all-around great guy. Probably the funniest person I've ever met, spontaneous. Uh, him and Jerry D. It's close. And I sure I've, I'm sure I've met people that are just like that, but I've spent time with Mark Critch, and I've spent time with Jerry D., and they can riff. I've never seen anybody like Jerry D., whereby... That's how I got into stand-up comedy, and it still makes me uneasy. I just tell a hockey story, and, uh, you know, generally it, it goes over well. But, you know, I'm telling a story. People are amused. They might 
find some of it funny. I don't know if they find much hilarious, but when I get off stage, it's usually, oh, you know what? It was not bad. It's not bad. Right? Whereas people are busting for Jerry and busting for like Mark Critch. It's real knee slapper stuff. But I've seen Jerry get up and he didn't even follow any of his act. Like he had it there. I knew what he was going to talk about because he told me. But then he got up and maybe started riffing with someone in the audience. And I remember when he got up one time, we were doing a fundraiser for Fort McMurray fires. They happened in 2017, I think. So he flew me up and we went to Yuck Yucks. And uh, those are great. The charity ones are great because it tends to be a crowd that isn't there just to heckle. I love those. So I got up and did my thing, told my hockey story. I think it was the Ty Domi story. Right, story, right. I'm in 15 minutes. I'm off. I did my thing. Order me a you know sandwich and a beer. And he got up there. And on his way up, there was a guy and he yelled out. He said, you know, I, I took my wife. We always wanted to see you. And so Jerry got talking with him. And then halfway through, just a little conversation, the guy goes, yeah, it's our anniversary. And, and he said, it's your fucking anniversary and you're taking your wife here to see me on your anniversary. What the fuck? Give your head a shake now. Then he went on for 40 minutes. So his whole show with that he had, I mean, planned, I guess he'd done it before, but you know, he could have just riffed on his show that I found hilarious. I saw him do it in multiple places and it's, it was just fucking hilarious, man. I'm not sure what, what the name of that tour was, but if you can get a hold of it from Jerry D, he talked about teaching and he talked about going to school and his, and his TV show, uh, Mr. D, it was just fucking hilarious. But anyway, um, yeah, he went on. So he didn't, he did a 40 minute set just talking with the audience and it was as funny or funnier than what he had planned. And those kind of things I really respect. I'm not saying I can't talk. Listen to me. I'm fucking yapping since we've been on here. But to make it funny, to make it stand-up worthy, and if you're Jerry D, people are expecting something. If you're me, they're expecting nothing, right? So I get up. I can literally just talk like this, and you can get something out of it, right? It might be, you know, the story where I knock my teeth out of my head with the hammer, with the sledgehammer. People like that story. And if nothing else, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's half amusing. But it's not going to, they don't, they don't, it is because they don't know me going up there for the most part. They're like, what's this hockey player going to bring to the table? So if nothing else, it's a little bit amusing. Like, like I've said, repeat myself now, but Jerry, they're expecting big things. So to just not even go where they're expecting you and still be hilarious. Anyway, Mark Critch is another person that has that same ability, same trait. They're parallel minds. I've often said it. I don't even know if the boys have met, but Mark had a show here called Son of a Critch with him growing up in Newfoundland. And a lot of what I'm talking about today comes out in that show. Actually, it's a fantastic way to end this little segment. Uh, the show is funny. It's called Son of a Critch. I have nothing to do with it, so I'm not promoting it for any reason other than I'm a, new, I'm a proud Newfoundlander. And I had that little blurb. And if you just watch that show, you will see. I mean, we've always laughed at ourselves. And Mark grew up in the 80s and, you know, came into prominence in the 90s. The exact period that I've, I've been talking about. And um, from a local perspective, we, we found it hilarious. And uh, just everything that he talks about. His dad worked at VOCM, the local radio station. And Mark was a very curious guy that, uh, as a kid... My favorite book was Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing. Okay, that's why my book is called Tales of a First Round Nothing. And I don't know. 
son of a critch reminds me of that him as a kid reminds me of that and i I just find those coming of age stories real funny or else you know i wouldn't have named my book after one of them uh and i also find mark critch really funny so the two married together is is great so penny lane is playing a, a girl at a sleepover for the next three days the sixth seventh and eighth so we'll be in there and uh we're going to have to, uh, honestly, there's only so many shows that I've worked on. And again, I'm not working. I'm going to go as her chaperone that I, I, I find I, I got to think about other things. Shorzy is one of them as they're filming because it, it's funny on the spot. Some things become funny in post-production, but anytime Mark Critch is involved, it's fucking hilarious. Anyway, that's my blurb. Check it out. I hope people that ask those two questions, I hope I've done a decent job of answering them. And for those of you that are still listening at this point, I really appreciate it. And we have a fucking fantastic guest for you on Thursday, Scotty Darling. And speaking of Scotty Darling, we will be, uh, I'll be there in uh, Buffalo with him. He's part of the Barstool team that, that we go down with. Myself, my dad, Jeremy Bishop. You want to hear the Chicklets Cup roster? From my end, Jeremy Bishop, Justin Pender, Evan Mosher, great goalie, uh, Jeremy uh, Connor Donahue, Bobby Hauser, and Remy Laurencel from Manitoba, who just won a world championship with the Conman. Congrats, Conman. Congrats, Remy, on a world championship with Team Canada. I'll see all you guys back here in a couple of days with the man, the myth, the legend, Scotty Darling. Locally, why don't you go out and support local? Uh, locally, support local. Now I know I've had uh, too much weed. Uh, locally, check out Wedgwood Cafe at the end of Elizabeth Avenue for all your catering needs as well. While you're at it, why don't you go down to George Street and uh, stop in at the Bull and Barrel, Green Sleeves, TJ's Pub, Trinity Pub, or the Rob Roy. I really do love those places. I love all of George Street. I hate leaving places out, but those are my buddies, and those places uh, are where I hang out, and that's the truth. Um Jeremy Charles has the Crab Shack open on Water Street. Um, and Water Street's hopping this time of year, the pedestrian walk. Check it out. Papillon, a new bar. Actually, that's that's a new uh, spot to, to check out, as is the Martini Bar. Oh, he's back on the go again. <coughs> O'Reilly's, Kelly's. They're all thriving down there now. Blue on Water, Merchant Tavern. Why don't you uh, grab yourself a bite there if you know what's good for you? I just love this time of year. It's vibrant. I love, I really think support local. Do whatever you can. I ride my bike down there every day and get at least an appetizer. I mean that. Follow me on Instagram if you don't believe it, folks. I'm down there every day supporting local. After all this bullshit that went on over the last few years, you know, and it's been hard for people to take. And, uh, I shouldn't say bullshit. I mean, a lot of it. I don't want to get political with it. I understand some of it. I think maybe we went a little too far. Was it malicious? Maybe not. I really don't know. But what I know is that it's nice now to be on the other side, looking back at something that was so hard on so many local businesses and so many minds and uh, caused so much stress for so many people in the world. Uh, hopefully we never see anything like it. And hopefully if, if we do see anything like it, that we have the people in charge now have some 
idea of how better to handle things. I'll leave it at that. True hockey sticks. Check those out. I got some on my way. And uh, we'll be using, I'll be using uh, specifically true from here on in. Uh, and not just because they're going to work with me. I sought them out because they're fucking unbelievable sticks. And I just got my new set of gloves. Thanks, Corey Gregory and the people at True. I uh, truly enjoy them. And uh, we'll be using them quite a bit this summer at the uh, National and World Ball Hockey Championships and at the Chicklets Cup in July 21st to 23rd in beautiful Buffalo, New York. Folks, thanks a lot for taking this ride with me. It continues. Who knows where it's going to end up, but I know that we got Scotty Darling, Stanley Cup champ, on Thursday. See you all soon. Thanks for tuning in to Tales with TR. We'll catch you on the rebound.